Thank you, men. We indeed will bow on that day when we stand in glory with our blessed Lord. Um, <clears throat> I uh, pray you'll continue to pray for uh, Sister Trish Lloyd. I uh, haven't heard much of an update uh, throughout the day. Uh, and also, uh, many of you perhaps would know uh, Pastor Tau Abari. He's uh, perhaps preached here a couple of times. Um, and uh, we got news this afternoon that uh, uh, I believe he had a stroke, a massive stroke. And uh, he's half his body is paralyzed. And right now he's in emergency in uh, Fort Mosby Hospital. So if you would please remember to pray for him. Uh, his brother, of course, is uh, Pastor Dala Momo, and uh, really covet your prayers. I, I know they would uh, in this time of great need. So I'm going to just pray and uh, ask the Lord to uh, just uh, remember these two folk and uh, that his uh, presence will be with them, and then we'll get into the word. Thank you, Lord, for this time again around your word. We treasure it. Lord, uh, we are nothing without you, so we need your strength, your power, your grace this hour. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, just anoint the word as only you can. Um, Lord, uh, I just pray tonight again for Sister Trish Lloyd. And once again, Lord, your presence be with her, your power be with her. Your healing hand be upon her. I also think of uh, dear Pastor Tawabari, a man of God, Shalom Baptist Church. Oh Lord, I just pray that you would uh, this moment reach out and touch him. Lord, empower his body. Lord, that uh, paralysis, whatever is causing it, Lord, will be removed. And Lord, that you give great relief to him and his dear family. And Lord, also just pray for the congregation there that you would uh, help them to rally around their pastor at this time. Uh, we ask this in your mighty and precious name. Amen. It's amazing how uh, things happen from left field and uh, your life can be thrown into turmoil. And uh, it's often the case. And uh, Brother Andrew preached this morning about one another and praying for one another and uh, you know one of the greatest things you can do for people is intercessory prayer. I don't know how many here who are intercessors but um, I had the privilege just before Christmas we had the break to pray for two different situations and um, I know I went before the Lord and I just interceded so did my wife and um, and that's all you can do. You can leave it in God's hands. And uh, we can pray for certain solutions. We can pray for certain answers. God encourages us to do that. He's given us a good mind to ask for things. But ultimately, the Lord knows best. He sees the other side of the mountain. And uh, he would do all things well. And uh, so it's something that uh, we should do more, intercede on behalf of others, um, and uh, really bring the matter before God. So I really encourage you to pray for those of our family who are sick. Continue to pray for Sister Liz. Complete healing. Uh, don't let an event of the past rush by and you move on to something else. But remember the things that need to be prayed for regularly. Pray for families who are having difficult children. 
Pray for marriages that are struggling. Pray that God's will will be upheld, that the, the biblical things will be done in those situations. I pray regularly for these matters. <clears throat> this story is a very uh, popular story, and um, I remember first uh, um, hearing this story as a little kid. Uh, we used to have flannel board uh, teaching in our Sunday school. I don't know where they have it now, but little pictures that are popped up on a flannel board, and um, it was quite exciting to read this story, and uh, of course, we've heard several messages on this, and um, I was prompted to just meditate on this passage a little bit, and uh, some thoughts came out of it, so I'm going to just share it. I believe the Lord would have us just reflect on that uh, a little bit. And the first thing I want you to see here is uh, that when Jesus is moving out of Jericho and he's uh, with his disciples and a great number of people. Now, you would understand why a great number of people would uh, go with Jesus is because he'd been doing a lot of miracles. He'd fed the 5,000. He'd fed the 4,000. Uh, he'd done many, many extraordinary things. So there were a great number of people following him. And then it says, um, uh, blind Bartimaeus, right in the middle of verse 46, the son of Timaeus sat by the highway side begging. Amidst all the activity of great glory and great success and great power, there lies a man on the side of the road in a hopeless state. Some commentators say that the, the, why he is named the son of Timaeus is that Timaeus himself was blind. And his son Bartimaeus was also blind. And this gives us a little bit of a spiritual lesson in that sin doesn't discriminate, that sin will be passed from generation to generation if not dealt with. And often blindness is a form of spiritual blindness, a lack of knowledge of God, a lack of uh, intimacy with God. And uh, this blind man, blind Bartimaeus, uh, sat on the highway side begging. You know, begging is a terrible, terrible thing. And I don't know whether you've seen beggars in your life, but I've seen plenty. Uh, you see them in... Um, developing countries more often and um, whenever I go to Sri Lanka and I visit, I make sure before I embark on my day's journey, I've got sufficient uh, small change in my pocket. Now, I, I don't mean coins, I, I mean it's notes, but I would have sufficient notes in my pocket and uh, often we'll see a very sad sight and uh, I'd ask my children to go and drop the money in the, in the whatever their container they've got. Begging is a terrible, terrible consequence of um, not having what could have been yours. Discarded, a lonely life, um, nothing to look forward to, uh, a sense of hopelessness uh, grips a person who is a beggar. 
And this was Bartimaeus' um, role day in and day out as he sat by the wayside. Beggars normally sit in places where there is high movement or activity. You'd rarely find a beggar sitting in a desert place waiting for someone to show up. Beggars would normally sit uh, in our speak. If you wanted a beggar, he'll sit in the, in the mall somewhere in Queen Street or he'll be seated in uh, Fortitude Valley where all those beautiful Chinese restaurants are. And they'll be there with a little mat maybe uh, asking for uh, something. And, um, and so here he was seated on the wayside, highway side, on the, on the side of this highway, uh, and begging. And I don't know how many people gave him money, but perhaps uh, he'd worked out that that was the best place to be because uh, he, he may have got plenty of money uh, s sitting there. I also know, and I'll say this uh, tongue-in-cheek, of course, but there are professional beggars in Sri Lanka as well. You know who professional beggars are? They have plenty, plenty of money in the bank, but they'll turn up and they'll sit and they'll pretend they have nothing. They'll wear a torn shirt, and you'll often see them after their shift is over, they'll get up and wear a nice uh, T-shirt and they'll be gone, right? But um, what do you do? How do you distinguish between a professional beggar and a real beggar, you can't. So you, you will make a mistake, uh, but if you help three out of ten, you've done something good for the Lord. And that's an attitude we take. Uh, we get taken sometimes, but uh, when you see something and you walk by, then it's a bad, bad thing. I was reading the uh, Proverbs over the holidays and I read the, the verse, I can't quote it, I'm sorry, but uh, you will find it if you're diligent. But it says that if you shut your ears to the cry of the poor, that when you cry, no one will hear you. I showed that to my children. I said, um, you know, you, you need to be aware of this verse, that if you shut your ear to the cry of the poor, that when you're in your time of need and you cry, no one's going to hear you. Now, that's in the Bible, folks. So I, I, I pray that when you hear a, a cry of a poor, that you take note and you try and help that person. Now, I don't know how many help blind Bartimaeus, and he, uh, having no hope, uh, sits here. And I am only saying this, I'm highlighting this, because there are a lot of hopeless people in the world. You might think there are people who are driving cars who are full of hope, but I can tell you at the bottom of their heart that they are hopeless people. They have no hope of eternal life. They have no hope of future uh, uh, glory with the Lord Jesus Christ. They're living uh, uh, a life that is displeasing to God and they're headed on the highway to hell. And, uh, and these are the hopeless people we have to reach. And uh, they, they are literally sitting there begging and eating of the crumbs that the world gives. And... Um, and the amazing thing is that uh, Jesus now walks past this blind man. And uh, there might have been, must have been a commotion. The decibel level of uh, the conversations must have increased uh, from the normal sort of uh, rushing of a chariot or uh, a horse or a donkey or a mule uh, to shuffling of hundreds, maybe thousands of feet. And uh, Bartimaeus would have 
immediately switched on that there's something going on here. Maybe a celebrity is coming by and maybe uh, they might have some extra mercy on him. So he inquires uh, who, what this commotion is about. And verse 47 says, and when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. Now he must have heard, people must have told him about Jesus. He would have told him that Jesus has healed many blind people, that he had healed the lame people, that uh, perhaps he even said he fed 5,000 people. So uh, he was not unaware from the reading of this verse that um, that Jesus, uh, about Jesus, he, he knew who Jesus was. So he begins to cry out and say, and he mentions the name Jesus. Now, isn't that interesting that uh, he was a man in a hopeless situation. He mentions the name Jesus, and he also mentions something unique. He says, thou son of David. Where do you think he got that from? And the book of Isaiah uh, prophetically promises that the son of David will one day come. And here's a man who's looking forward to the promises given by the prophets, and he's waiting, and he can't believe his ears that Jesus has come. And so he says, or he cries out at the top of his voice, he says, Jesus, thou son of David. Have mercy on me. You know, when Jesus comes around, we have the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ coming before us. We have the power of God that comes before us. We have the compassion of a Savior that comes before us. And Jesus, uh, in the Bible, has offered several challenges to us. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. Well, the question is, if Jesus is knocking on your door, do you hear his knock? Do you hear him calling your name? Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was passing by. Jesus didn't go and shake him by the shoulder and say, hey, Bartimaeus, I'm here to give you some good stuff. It's just passing by. But you know what Jesus does in amazing grace to us? He actually comes and knocks on the door of your heart. So he's not passing by. He's going... And we ignore his knock several times. Maybe you're going through some hard times, a hopeless time. Jesus has turned up several times at your doorstep. And he has knocked. Say, let me in. Let me come in. Let me fellowship with you. Let me give you what you exactly need for this hour. And we are too busy so we let Jesus pass by. You know, Jesus is constantly visiting us to give us his divine nature, 
Apostle Peter says that he, he has made us to be partakers of his divine nature. He wants that divine nature to be found more in our lives. And yet we reject that. And we do other things. Praise God, Bartimaeus, he heard. And the second thing he did is he cried. He began to cry out. Now I want you to picture this, this crowd making a huge noise. And Bartimaeus could not be stopped. And he just started to scream at the top of his voice. He said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. How much do you cry out to God in your hour of need or in your time of helplessness? Is it a feeble cry that can hardly be heard? Do you persevere in prayer? Do you ask several times? Do you ask passionately? Do you ask from the depths of your heart? He cried from the bottom of his heart. This was his only hope. The son of David was passing by. He may never get another chance. And so he cries out at the top of his voice. There's a beautiful story in 1 Chronicles chapter 4 and verse 10. And, and many of you know this story. It's, uh, it's the shortest story um, in the Bible about this guy. A, a guy by the name of Jabez. Born into a very sorrowful family. Doing it tough. And one day Jabez decided that that was it. He was going to cry out to God. And in 1 Chronicles 4 and verse 10, it, he cried out these words, Oh, that thou would bless me indeed. Oh, that thou would bless me indeed. I, I'm sick of this life, of being under the hammer all the time. And he prayed some amazing prayer. If you want to pray a good prayer, follow the prayer of Jabez. It's a fantastic prayer. He asked that his right hand might be with me. God's right hand, the right hand of power. He said, God, may your right hand be with me and that thou would keep me from evil. What an amazing prayer, you know, deliver us from evil. It's like the Lord's prayer, right? So he said, Let, I want thy power to be with me. Sustain me. Whatever situation I'm going through, Lord, you can sustain me and deliver me from evil. Keep me from evil. And the very next phrase in that verse is that God granted his request. It's almost like God was waiting for his prayer. It says, and God granted him his request. It's an amazing prayer. You, you, you need to go and pray. Now, I know that's been highly publicized, this prayer, and books have been written on it, and that you can ask for anything and you get it. But, you know, I believe what what caught God's attention is that the cry came from a deep heart. And it just came out uh, profusely out of his life. And he cried that God would 
rescue him from that situation and God immediately offered respite. We read the Old Testament uh, in the book of Exodus chapter 2 and verse 23. The children of Israel cried unto the Lord to be released from their hardship and their bondage. God heard, God remembered, God sent a deliverer to take them out of Egypt into the promised land. The book of Judges is filled with evidences of how the children of Israel would uh, come to God and go back and it repeatedly you get this uh, statement that the children of Israel cried to God and God raised up a deliverer. Several times you'll find that in the book of Judges. Psalm 130 and verse 1 says, Out of the depths have I cried unto thee. Out of the depths from your gut. I'm not a great singer, but uh, Brother Charles, you'll agree with this. They say when you sing, you've got to sing from your stomach, not your lips. Is that right, brother? Yep. You know, you take a deep breath and you, everything comes from here, the strength. When you pray, it's no different. Your prayers are coming from your throat. It's probably a very half-hearted prayer. But if it's coming from deep within, then you know you're praying. When Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, it says that he shed great drops of blood. Deep, persevering prayer. Do we cry out to God? Do you cry for mercy? That's all you can really cry for. Sometimes when you rise in faith, others may try to silence or stop you. Let me say that again. Sometimes when you rise up in faith, others may try to silence you or stop you. And that's what the people around him were doing. But he may stop. Stop shouting. You're hurting my eardrum. Stop. We've got better things to do. We're on a mission to do something. Crowds fail to connect what is going on between God and each individual person. Sometimes you'll find in a congregation like this that God is doing a deep ministry to one person. And sometimes I do observe that after church services we go out and Maybe there's one person who's dealing with something with God and yet the crowd around is making a huge noise. But God is still working in that one person's life. Crowds will say it's impossible. They'll say it's irrelevant. We've got to move on. They'll say it's too late. Nothing can be done. They'll say it's not worth it. Just move on to something else. And several other excuses will be put up by the crowds who are walking with Jesus but never connected to Jesus. But those who are connected to Jesus will understand that some deep thing is starting to happen. You know, when you cry to God, 
you've got God's ear. And that starts, the faith starts to build in your heart. And you know God is listening to your prayer. It's coming from deep within. And you cry out louder with persistence. Don't be subdued by the negative noise of the crowd. The Bible says, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. Jeremiah 33 and verse 3. Call unto me. Cry unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. How many great and mighty things has God shown you in the last several years of your life? Then I respectfully ask you, have you called on him? Have you cried out to him? Jeremiah 29, 12 to 14 says this, Then you shall call upon me and pray unto me, and I will be found of you. I will turn away your captivity. This is a God who is waiting to do things according to his plan in your life. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus is visiting you tonight. Start of a new year. Jesus is present. He is passing by. Yep, there's plenty of people. There's plenty of folks surrounding him. Supposedly doing the work that Jesus is doing. Near to him, but far away in their hearts. The man who has the need cries out to him. And they try to stop him. They try to silence him. But thank God he cries out the more louder. He says, I'm not going to get anyone to stop me. I'm going to get to Jesus. I'm going to get his attention. I want Jesus. I want Jesus now. I need him. I need thee every hour. I need him. And he didn't let the crowd stop him. How many times have you been stopped by a crowd? Sometimes preacher has preached and God's talked to you and you know you need to go up and do some business with God. And so the first thing you do, if you're a bit like me, I first look around to see whether anyone else is going. And then if no one else is going, I just put my head down and continue business as usual. How many times has Jesus walked by and you needed to cry out to him, but you didn't? I beg with you, I plead with you tonight. Whenever God talks to you, don't send him away. You're the loser. You're the loser. He is ministering to several people. But when he comes around, cry out to him. Cry from deep within. I don't know what your need is. I don't know what your situation is. But you know what it is. Next statement. Does your cry stop God? 
does your cry stop God in his tracks? Verse 49. And if you've got a pencil, underline the first four words there. And Jesus stood still. I want you to think of this picture. Thousands of people milling around Jesus, almost sort of carried with the flow, the force of the crowd to his next appointment. And Jesus just stood still. The divine ears heard the cry of this lonely heart. Does your cry stop God? The Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole world to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. His eyes are running like a laser beam. You're crying out to God. Does it stop God? Does God take note of your situation? God hears your cry above the noise of unbelief of those around you. God hears many cries from other people, but they are cries of unbelief, from unrepentant hearts. God is always present to hear your cry. He is never on vacation. He's always present. You can cry to him at any time. God is present. God is, a, the, the psalmist said, God is our refuge, a very present help in time of trouble. Psalm 46, verse 1. And Romans 8, 26, 27, you know those words, the Spirit himself helps our infirmities. And when we don't know what to pray for, when we don't know what to cry for, but that, that deep, urges within us and you don't even know what to cry for the spirit comes in and makes intercessions with us for us with groanings which cannot be uttered according to the will of God that's how important this is to God that his Holy Spirit steps in when you can't say the words He'll step in and he will groan on your behalf. Have you got a river that is uncrossable? A mountain that you cannot tunnel through? God specializes in things thought impossible. He will do the things no other power can do. God hears your cry. God stops in his tracks to listen to, attend unto your cry. And then God did something else. Jesus did something else and he said, he stood still and the next thing he did, he commanded. When God commands speak some words, it stays done. You know, with this 
words, he brought the whole world into creation. When you, when you think about this, it's amazing that God heard the cry and he commanded. He said, bring Bartimaeus to me. Bring him to me. When God commands, there is the power of God that accompanies it. His authority and his power. There is great comfort in God's presence. It is a safe place. It is the throne of grace. And oh, what a picture of great mercy and great grace that God's heart is torn for this man, this helpless man. And he says, he cries to me, bring him to me. The presence of God, what better place to be right in front of the Savior. And that's what God can do to you folks. In your need, in your time of horror, that God commands and you are ushered into his presence. Fourth statement, you must be willing to respond to God. When God calls, will you respond? When God says you must come, he said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. I must come to your house today. Wow. <laughs> Zacchaeus could have said, Lord, I, I just came to have a look to see who you are. My bank balance is full. I really don't need anything else. I've seen you. Zacchaeus, come down. I need to come into your house today. Why? There was going to be a great salvation going to happen. And you know the rest of the story, how Zacchaeus got saved. Will you respond to God's call? He rose up, the Bible says, verse 49, verse 50, and he casting away his garment rose and came to Jesus. When you come to Jesus, you need to leave the weakness and the disappointment behind. You've got to leave that life of begging behind. God's opening a new door for you. God's going to open new avenues that your eyes haven't seen, your mind hasn't thought of. You need to leave the past behind. Anyone with a terrible past here, gone through some terrible stuff, when God's calling you, you need to leave that past behind. You need to leave the old garment behind. You can't come to Jesus clad with your old garment and saying, Jesus, I'm here. You know, it gives you a sense of transparency as well, that when you... Take out that old garment, you become more transparent. Lord, see me in all my filth. A lot of us cover up and come to Jesus like holier than thou's. And I'm afraid God can't do much for you like he didn't, couldn't do much for the Pharisees of his day. The very ones who should have welcomed him, who should have cried out to him for help, for divine wisdom in the interpretation of the laws, to get rid of the man-made laws so that people would get the richness of God's blessing. Ended up crucifying him. He cast aside his garments. The old ways were cast aside. He was eagerly looking for the new paths. He moved away from the comfort of this beggarly life. He'd had enough. He wanted to go to Jesus 
Remember not the former things. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Isaiah chapter 43. Come to Jesus. Come to him who can deliver you and set you at liberty. And we are about to close now. And you, you just picture this, that he's come to Jesus now. People have brought him. He's in front of Jesus. And Jesus asks him a question. So the next statement is this. You need to respond wisely to God's questions. You know, God doesn't ask too many questions. He asked Jacob, what is your name? <laughs> Why do you think Jesus asked Jacob, what is your name? Did he have amnesia for a short moment and he had to ask him what his name was? He wanted Jacob to repeat what that name really meant. He was a deceiver. Jacob, I want you to confess with your own mouth that your name is Jesus. Uh, Jacob. You shall no more be Jacob. But what? Who knows? What was his name? Israel, a prince, no more a beggar, no more a deceiver, but a prince, a prince with God. Wow, what a transformation. I, uh, this is God, folks. When you come to him in mercy and with humility, God can do some amazing things to transform you. And so God asked him one question. He said, what do you want me to do for you? Now, you might think that the obvious answer should have been, Lord, I want to receive my sight. Now, I'm, I'm an accountant, so I may have framed the question this way. Lord, I want my bank balance to be filled with uh, three million bucks, which will not depreciate and will give me a return of 10%. I can put up with my blindness if I had that in the bank, can't I? I can have lots of servants. I can have beautiful house. He could have asked for fame and fortune. After all, didn't uh, that farmer say to, when he was blessed with a great big crop, what did he do? Did he rush out to help the poor people? Was his ears listening to the poor people? He said, no, I will bring, build bigger barns. And I will store my grain. Thank you, Joseph, for showing how to do that. But I will store the grain. And I will say to my soul, soul, take thine ease. Have a good time. Party on. And God called him a fool. Because he's missed the heart of God. And so the blind man answers and he says, Lord, I just want a simple thing. I want to receive my sight. Lord, I just want to be normal. I want to be like anybody else. I want to be able to get married. I want to be able to have children. I want to be able to see my children grow. I want to be able to hug my kids when they come home. I want to kick a soccer ball with my kids. Lord, I want to be normal. 
I want to receive my sight. There must have been something in his response that Jesus then counter-responded to. He must have said, Lord, I, I also need a healing inside me. I know I'm, my life is not right with God. I'm not living a righteous life. And Jesus answered, verse 51, and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith had made thee whole. Now in those words of Jesus, thy faith hath made thee whole, that whole was a physical healing and a spiritual healing. I believe God touched him deep inside as he responded, Lord, I want to receive my sight. I want to see more clearly. When we ask God for stuff, it's always good to prioritize the spiritual before the material. Ask for things that's going to give you eternal value and eternal relief. Not something that is temporal, leaving your spiritual in an absolute mess. The psalmist said this, Open thou mine eyes that, my, that I might behold wondrous things out of thy law. And here's the climax. Jesus said unto him, Go thy way. Thy faith has made thee whole. So, you know, this man had faith when he cried to God. God recognized that faith. And I believe he also wanted a cleansing, deep cleansing within. To walk with God. He's probably never ever been that. And God said, thy faith has made thee whole. I've given, given you clean, new life. And I've given you your physical sight back. And immediately the Bible says he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Now I want you to just, I know, just imagine this scene. Blind Bartimaeus standing here and Jesus standing right in front of him. Bartimaeus, what do you want? I want to receive my sight. I want to be normal, Lord. Thy faith had made thee whole. Go thy way. His eyes pop open. And what does he see? What's the first thing he sees? He sees Jesus. The most beautiful sight anyone can see. That perfect Lamb of God. The righteous Lamb of God. And he sees Jesus and he goes, wow. Wow. What is this? What is this that I'm seeing? And Jesus said, go thy way. His eyes open and he sees the beauty of Jesus. And the Bible records an amazing turnaround. All of a sudden, his plans to be a normal man, to have family, all go by the wayside. Jesus said, go thy way. Go and do 
what you want to do. Boy, when you ask me, you want to do that, go, go, go and do it. I've given you a blessing, I've given you a new life, go and do it. What did he do when he saw Jesus? He said, no, there's nothing better than following Jesus. So it does not go thy way. Lord, I'm going to follow you. And he follows Jesus. I often wonder that when we come to the Lord and when we see Jesus, we follow Jesus for a while, but very often we step back and we go our way. Bartimaeus saw Jesus, received his sight, saw Jesus. And he said, this is the only way I'm going, after Jesus. When we gaze on Jesus, we are changed from glory to glory. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Do we desire to see Jesus every day and commune with him? Are we impelled to follow him in the way and to do his will? Are we transformed as we gaze into his beauty, his truth, his character and his goodness? Does he become our all in all? Who are you following today? Are you going your way? Yes, Lord, I'm a Christian. I accepted you. Are you following Jesus? Are you following Jesus? You know, the parallel passage in Luke says that the crowds which had tried to stop him were amazed and they glorified God and gave glory to God for what had happened. You know, your faith can shift the faith of the crowd. It can change their perspective on what's happening. Don't let the crowd put a bottle on your faith. You cry out to God. Say, God, I want to see you afresh. Maybe that should be our prayer in 2018. Lord, I want to see you afresh. I want to see your beauty. I want to see your goodness. And when I see you, I want to follow you. There's no other way I'm going. I'm not going my way. I want to follow you. And if you follow you, you'll have the peace, the joy. It won't be a trouble-free life, as the Apostle Paul will testify. But you'll have the joy and the peace, and your influence will be amazing on countless numbers of people. Because you're following Jesus in the way. Not according to our human intellect, but you're following Jesus. If any man would be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So Jesus said. And so the title of the message was Will You Follow Jesus? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We reflect on this story and there are so many 
areas that perhaps apply to our lives. Lord, perhaps we haven't cried out to you from the depths of our heart. Lord, we want to see Jesus. You do care, Lord. You do care. You do hear our voice. You do come. You do stop. You do observe. Oh God, open our eyes that we might see you tonight. It's only you we want to follow. That's the way of life. Help us, dear Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.